Hi, you're listening to the Coding Black Females podcast, where we'll be sharing recordings of our events and inspirational stories and discussions from black women in tech. This episode was recorded on the 8th of July for our event, Lightning Talks Take One. It's the first in a two-part series of Lightning Talks. We were joined by eight amazing women and eight inspirational talks, and our topics covered health and well-being, tech journeys, and learning in a pandemic. Welcome to our Caden Black Females Lightning Talks evening, which I'm like genuinely really, really excited about. I'm excited that we've got so many people, so many people who signed up to speak that are gonna speak this week and next week as well. Um, I really look forward to hearing all the amazing, amazing talks. I'm Charlene and I'm the founder of Coding Black Females. For those of you who haven't heard of Coding Black Females, it's a fantastic community with around a thousand members now, all over the UK and abroad as well. It's super exciting that we're growing in the way that we are. Um, We hold quite regular events, we have a podcast, we have and loads of opportunities that like we're going to be running a boot camp soon and we run other training programs as well so we're really really excited about doing all the amazing stuff we're doing so i think it's about time we get started so do we have diane laidlaw hello hi i'm going to stop sharing and then you're good to go hi hi <laughs> Thank you for having me. So, do I start first and then we go through the yes. list, or okay, start cool. First, and then okay. we're going to have Faith after you. Then we're on to the tech journey section with Audrey, okay. and then Talia, Nketi, Isabel, and then we're going to do learning in a pandemic with Ibi and Rihanna. So we have a lot of speakers this evening. Dope, dope. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to come here today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Just a little bit about me. Um, I'm Diane Laidlaw and I am a web designer, stroke developer. Um, I'm self-taught and I have been for the past 10 years now almost. Um, And I really just wanted to give a talk about something which I started incorporating into my routine, which is called self-care Wednesdays and today's Wednesday so let's just pretend that it's not Wednesday today because I shouldn't be working but (laughs) um, self-care Wednesdays is a day that I set up for myself really um, because I found that I was super overworking when it came to working from home so if I just give you a little bit of a background about how I actually came into the self-care Wednesday So I started um, teaching myself web design when I was about, yeah, when I was about 29. And um, I had no idea what I was doing. So I spent a large majority of time on YouTube, hi YouTube crew, um, learning how to create websites using WordPress. And I was super engaged, I like, there's not many things that engage me, but WordPress and CSS and HTML and all of that stuff really, really got to me. So I would spend hours and hours. I would go to bed dreaming about coding and WordPress and everything. And it, I ended up making it part of a business. Um, and as time progressed, 
I started working with agencies. And this is when I kind of found a couple of things quite interesting. So I'm self-taught and I always kind of felt quite inadequate because a large majority of the people that I knew, they went to uni, they did, you know, a degree and this, that and a third. And I didn't even really go to college. So I always felt, um, you know, a little bit like out of my depth when I would meet up with other web designers or I would talk to other web designers or developers online. Um, but what I found being in an agency is that basically everyone is just winging it. No one really knows what they're doing. Um, and everyone's just really kind of giving it a go and seeing what they can create and what they can do and ultimately um, advancing their own skills. Now, unfortunately, some of the agencies that I worked with were people who were pretty much like me. They were startups. They were just trying something, seeing how it goes. And one agency in particular that I worked for, the guy who owns the agency, he was actually having a nervous breakdown during the time that he had hired me. I, I didn't know this at first. I did find his behavior a little bit odd in the beginning. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I was watching him go downhill very rapidly. And um, I remember being in a conversation with him um, over Skype and his wife had walked in and she was pleading with him to go and see someone. And he almost engaged me into the conversation and was like, oh, my wife is trying to get me to see a psychiatrist, but there's nothing wrong with me. But there clearly was something wrong with him. Um, long story short, I ended up leaving the agency and um, I ended up going into another agency, which was kind of similar in terms of it was just another guy who set something up with a friend of his. And again, I'd watched this person kind of slowly go into a nervous breakdown, but this person actually did not engage with anybody. He just cut himself off. So the business was running, but there was nobody running it which was the most weirdest thing ever so the reason why i'm bringing this up was because i noticed that these guys had a particular pattern they over 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 worked they woke up in the morning they worked they went to bed they worked they dreamed they were it's just constantly constantly work and i started becoming a web designer and developer because I just had a baby and I was reluctant to work for anybody else. I wanted to work from home and this had become, you know, my bread and butter, so to speak. But I also noticed that I was falling into that pattern of repeatedly kind of dedicating my life to work, which meant a lot of things were being put aside. Like I wouldn't, um, I wasn't paying attention to the house. I wasn't paying attention to paying bills. I was just practically all over the place. So that was a massive wake up call in terms of, you know, looking at how people work and how we can be so engrossed in our work that we almost forget about everything else. So after a couple of years, I started to think about ways in which I can change my own habits in my work to basically have a much more healthier balance between work 
and personal life. And that's where Self Care Wednesday had came in for me. So basically today is Wednesday and I work from Monday to Friday. And what I do is I have one day where I just don't do any work whatsoever. And usually people have that on a weekend and it's like, well, those are the, my self-care days. But I found that when I did it on the weekend, because it was a weekend, it wasn't so much me focused. It was more focused on everything else. So I took the Wednesday as the day that I would dedicate for myself. And what I do is I do nothing. I don't do any work. I don't think about clients. I don't look at a server. I don't look at any codes. I don't look at any coding books or anything. I basically just take a day for myself. I go, I get my nails done. Now it's all COVID. I can't do that right now. So I have to do it myself. Um, I go and I buy myself flowers every week. I, I go to therapy on a Wednesdays as well. So I try to basically dedicate a day where it's just for me, not about children, not about the home, just for me. And I think it's a really important uh, thing that people should set for themselves if they are working from home and find that they are totally engrossed in what they're doing and everything else is basically falling to the wayside. So for me, mental health is extremely important, especially when we're dealing with tech because we're seated at a computer, at our phones, at our iPads, almost for the large majority of the day. And for me, I noticed that there was a couple of things, even health-wise, I was putting on a lot of weight. I was at the heaviest that I could ever be at. Um, I, um, my eyesight went, I didn't wear glasses before I did web design. And now I've got like two pairs. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on in regards to uh, like your work and how you should maintain um, a level of boundaries and a level of uh, equilibrium, let's say, uh, throughout all of your life and not just have it regarding work. So one of the things that I decided to set up was not just the self-care Wednesdays, but also um, to learn about boundaries as well and having my own personal boundaries. So I use tech now in a way where I use it more to my advantage. So with my calendar on my phone, I make sure that I add times when I start work, when I finish work and make sure I stick to those times and I'm not just kind of sneaking in some work at 11 o'clock at night, making sure that I have boundaries with my clients so then they know they can't contact me on Facebook, they can't contact me on Instagram, they can't WhatsApp me, they can't send any pigeon carriers, they can't do any tele telekinesis like any of that they just can't do they have to contact me within a certain set period of hours because what I was also finding was I was saying yes to everything yes 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 and not saying no so having personal boundaries um, within your own work is super important um, also I have ADHD so I'm all over the place like by default so I have to make sure that I limit the amount of distractions that I have so with my emails I try my best to only look at my emails maybe twice during the day and that's it other than that I really cannot do anything else otherwise I will be diverting my attention here there and everywhere 
with Instagram and Facebook, I have an autoresponder that says, if you contact me here, don't bother because I'm not going to answer. You're going to have to contact me on my email address. And that way I'm not bouncing between different modes of communication all the time and everything is quite central. Um, another thing that I do with my clients is uh, make sure I have autoresponders so when they send an email to me, they know that their query is going to be answered within a certain amount of time. So for me at the moment, it's between 24 to 48 hours that they'll get a response. That way, I'm not going to have somebody email me at 12 o'clock, then email me again at two o'clock, then email me again at five o'clock, then email me even more at six o'clock with their query because they're waiting for me to answer. So setting appropriate boundaries is super important and for your mental health as well. Nobody wants to be sitting down at home, it's 10 o'clock and bing, you get a message on your phone and it's a client and you're like, you feel compelled to answer. Nobody wants to be in that position. So having healthy boundaries for you and your clients is, is, is super important. Um, another thing just to touch upon um, social media is that, you know, I'm, I, I love tech. I love the way that tech is. I'm a technologist all the way through and through when people talk about, um, you know, tech almost being the downfall to humanity and that we are not engaging. I absolutely feel it's the complete opposite and that we can use tech in so many different ways. So for me, um, especially social media, with me, I have uh, multiple uh, uh, Instagram accounts, one which is for business, one which is for friends and one which is actually for my mental health. I know it sounds weird, but sometimes when you're scrolling through your feeds, if it's Facebook or Instagram, you know, certain posts come up and it really, like, it can trigger you, right? So I set up a separate Instagram because I love looking through Instagram. I'm a visual person. So I, I set up a separate Instagram account that follows things that are more positive, that are more, um, like that is going to put me in a better mood. So that's one thing that I use Instagram for. Another thing, um, Facebook. I know people don't like Facebook as much because, you know, there's so much craziness on there. But I really do like Facebook for the groups. I do think it's important that you find your tribe. For me, I know when I got diagnosed with ADHD, finding my tribe on Facebook was paramount. It was Oh, it was a life changer for me. And um, luckily I found this group called the Unicorns, the Unicorn Squad. And it's specifically for black females with ADHD. And it's, it's absolutely hilarious, but it's such an amazing safe space. So anyone who's got autism out there, anyone who's dyslexic or has ADHD, please have a look in this group and join it and just join your tribe because this can be such an isolating experience when you're working from home excuse me. Um, another thing as well that I wanted to just two more things or maybe three, if I've got enough time, sorry if I'm rambling. Um, but YouTube, I use YouTube for, uh, two things. YouTube is probably one of my biggest, um, uh, uh, things that I go on when I'm on the internet. And what I've noticed for me is um again i've got adhd so there's certain things that i kind of do and there's certain things that i have trouble with i.e sleeping is one of the things that i have trouble with um and what i used to do is i used to put on the most boringest javascript uh tutorial i could find and fall asleep to it 
never really worked in terms of actually cognitively uh, taking in um, taking in all the information. But what I did do instead was I went and I bought myself um, these uh, like they're like sleep glasses, but they have headphones in them. And what I use YouTube for now is I make playlists with affirmations in them and I fall asleep with the affirmations instead of, you know, some JavaScript tutorial from Cody, whoever it is. Um, and that's really helped me as well. Just to set the day off, it really helps. Um, and that was basically it, really. I just wanted to just to make sure that you guys know that boundaries is important. Having a day for yourself is important. Make sure that you have regular rests. Super important. Um, when I saw these two guys have their nervous breakdown, it really hit home to me that, you know, you could be there for your clients. You could be there for, um, for all of these businesses that you're working for. But as soon as you get ill, who's going to be there for you? Who's going to look after your children? Who's going to look after your family? You know, your children and your family are way more important than that client that contacts you at seven o'clock PM because they want you to change the color in a logo or they want you to add whatever they want to add. So just remember or try to remember that having a work-life balance is important. And I just wanted to touch on one more other thing as well. I don't know if anybody's played the game, The Sims, but there's, um, the, the game has been around for, for, for donkey's years, right? And basically what you need to do is you need to have an app. You create an avatar and you live out this avatar's life. So you uh, make it get a job, you build up its house, you pay bills, you do all of these different things. Now, what you would notice is that with your avatar, if you, they have like different um, bars for different things that you've got to do. So you've got your avatar and you don't make it go to the toilet it wets itself and it gets upset with itself if you have an avatar and you don't make it wash his hands every time he goes to the toilet he gets dirty and he starts to smell and then people don't want to speak to him now these bars are pretty much how our life is if we lack in certain bars in our own life whether it's social or whether it's um you know work-wise it, it there really is a knock-on effect on our mental health and I just wanted to bring that example of people who have played The Sims before, they would know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's really important that we keep um, these bars up. And if our social bar is low, we know that we get a little bit more depressed and we get a little bit lonesome and what's, and you know, it may affect us in our work and everything else. So it's important that we learn when a bar is down that we need to fill it up and that's where my self-care Wednesdays come in and that's it I hope that you enjoyed my talk <laughs> and I hope it all made sense that was amazing thank you I know that thank you everybody all the messages I'm seeing oh my god that's such good advice that's amazing so thank you so <laughs> much for that that was no no worries thank you for having me about health and well-being so thank you um, we're going to see how we go with time. If we've got time at the end, we will let people ask questions. So, great round. Okay, so the next person on is Faith with her talk on personal resilience during a pandemic period. So, do we have Faith? And I will spotlight you.
Great. Hi, everyone. Can you hear, can you see my slides? Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. I just wanted to say what amazing um, speaker you know uh, that you shared all the the self care Wednesday. I think I will start doing that myself. So that was amazing. Um, okay. So my name is Faith Ruto. I am going to take you on a journey of my story because I believe that um, the word resilience means the ability to be you know, to bounce back. And I thought the best way of showing you what resilience is is give me a bit of insight into my background uh, and then show you some slides that I've put together. So self-care is definitely one of the things that I would help you with your resilience. Um, and I, I hope that you've all been practicing that during the, the, the lockdown. So um, I'm just gonna try and see how this will work. Okay, great. So I'm gonna go on my journey, change curve, resilience and key takeaway. I'm a very practical person. I believe that uh, you are here and you want to take something away. So when I am talking, please try and think, what can I take away? What are the one or two things, two things I can take away from what Faith is talking about, okay? Because that is all I believe that we have to learn from each other. So very quickly then, where did my life begin? I was born in Uganda. Uh, this is a picture of me and my school, um, about 20 years ago now. Um, I was brought up by my grandmother, the lady here. Uh, and I just, I love this image because it takes me back home. Uh, very simple life in a village. Um, the three ladies are my inspiration. Uh, I believe that um, we need role models and the role models can be our grandparents, our moms, our aunts, our, anyone that has made an influence in your life is so important. And for me, I always go back to these um, three ladies. Now this window is actually my first bedroom and I shared this with my, 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 my cousin. And again, for me, resilience is about looking back and seeing how far you've come and what you've overcome. So when we talk about the pandemic, um, I don't believe that any of us had been through a pandemic before this year. So, um, yeah, so I think the fact that you're all here today, um, it just shows that you have some resilience and there's things that you have used that have helped you uh, along, that, along that journey. So I came to the UK in 93. Um, I went straight to live with my mother and three brothers. We grew up in a council estate. Um, and to be honest, I was quite disappointed because I grew up in a village in Uganda. Um, I, you know, there was land, you can see it's very green, lots of space. And then I was stuck in this, this flat. Um, now I remember thinking, I don't want to be here. I want to get out. So at the age of 16, um, I was asked at school, what do you want to do? And I, I remember thinking I want to work in IT, but 20 years ago, women in IT was, was a rare breed. Let's just say that there was very few women in IT 20 years ago. And if anything, we were discouraged from going into IT. I was personally discouraged also, don't bother going into IT, women don't do coding. So I'm kind of here selfishly to congratulate all of you that are here, uh, whether you've taught yourself, whether you've um, gone to uni, you know, but the fact that you're here as a coder, uh, you, are a, 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 you, know, you are a leading way for so many other females there. So I'm really glad that you know, to actually be talking to all of you here. But so did my journey. So I was at a council estate, um, I did a degree in business and IT, started working for British Airways. Um, my, my career, my degree was in business and IT. So I had IT element, but I, I, there was no coding involved. Very basic coding. I ran away from, you know, from coding as far as I could go. Um, then I worked in Shell for 12 years. Then from Shell, I did a, a master's in MBA. I, I did an MBA at uh, Imperial College. Um, while I was doing my MBA, I also started a family. So I got married, I had my daughter, uh, and then I was awarded, um, I was shortlisted for Women of the Future Awards. Uh, and then I had my son, and then all of a sudden I was this a rising star, um, wanted to really climb up the corporate ladder, um, but I, I just thought, 
there was something also missing. I wanted to be a mom first and foremost. I wanted to be with my children. Um, now the resilience came from having to juggle all these different priorities, and I believe that because of all the the the, uh, the different um, the different what do you call it, the different changes that I went through in my life, it equipped me with ability to actually be more resilient. So um, so yeah, so I found a company called Transformation Fitness First. Then I've written a book called Transform Within, but I, I just want to show you this because for me, this when we when we talked about the, the, the COVID nineteen, I believe that because of the, the challenges that I've overcome in the past, the, the the different things that I've managed or I've got or I've gone over in terms of um, adversity that I've overcome, it's really an equipped me to to adapt very quickly to change. So for all of us, we're now twelve months or more with this pandemic in the UK. Um, some of us have been devastated, you know, been affected. We've all been affected different ways. And that's one of the things that is very difficult to talk about resilience during COVID or pandemic, because to one person, what I'm saying makes sense. To another person, doesn't make sense. Over the last 12 months, I've spoken to people that have gone through depression. I've gone, I've spoken, uh, I've gone, sorry, I've spoken to people that have gone through loneliness. Um, but I've also spoken to people that, um, that, you know, that are enjoying being in lockdown. You know, they love the fact that they're spending time with their husband, their wives. So it's very, you know, I think for all of us, it's unique. So what I wanted to say to you today was just, uh, first of all, when you see the word change ahead, what are the first emotions? What are the emotions that you feel? How do you feel about change? Um, I want to show you this change curve because I believe that at the beginning of the pandemic, most of us were either in denial, we were thinking, well, it's, it's just a small flu. It's not going to impact my work. It's not going to impact my clients. It's not going to impact my child or anything like that but then we realized that actually this this pandemic was real and therefore we all had to adapt to it very quickly um i like to use the change curve it's not just for the pandemic but it's for every change big change that you can go through in life whether you've experienced death or uh, redundancy or anything that you've experienced in your life you will have you you'd have gone through a change curve and the way i want to describe this change curve is that you have a at some point have a denial, then you have anger, then you have this way of accepting that you cannot change what has happened to you. So therefore you start to move forward. But the interesting thing about this, this curve is that there's one side which is looking to the past and then the one is looking to the future. So when we talk about the pandemic, we, we, we realize that actually we, we can't really look forward that much because we don't know. You know there's a level of uncertainty. And as human beings, that makes us feel really uncomfortable. That makes us feel fearful that makes us feel, um, you know, not in control. We're not able to control what's going to happen. And then therefore you start to feel that you can't control your life. You can't control your profession, your, your career. Um, but actually one of the things that I've learned is that um, during the, the pandemic, you have a choice. You can either say, um, I'm going to look at opportunities. And I'm sure most of you have seen opportunities come about during the last 12 months that you didn't think was possible. Or you can say, well, this is all going to wash over me and, and affect me. Um, and with all that, it then affects your morale and your confidence, your effectiveness. So it's really important that when, when we are faced with a pandemic or a change in our career, a change in our personal lives, that you remember that this change curve really just talks about your ability to, to handle the, the present, the past, and then your ability to move forward. And the, the quickest you can um, really um, acknowledge your emotions uh, and manage them and you know, get help, anything that you need to do to really... Um, accept what's happened to you and, and go through this curve very quickly onto exploration acceptance that's going to be the key to you actually being resilient 
because the more time you spend being in denial, the more time you spend being angry at the situation, at people, at everything else, you will not have the, you know, the capacity to actually look forward. You will not have the capacity to explore opportunities. You will not have um, the capacity to accept that this has happened and it's outside your control. Then, so, th so, that, so for me, I, this is just one tool I want to share with you, saying you can actually use this in so many different ways. Uh, simple things, you know, you're going to, you're going to a meeting and then someone comes to the meeting last minute. You automatically go into anger or you go into frustration. But if you say to yourself, actually, that's all very good, but what, what kind of influence, what is the change that I can make? Or, you know, what is the opportunity in this? You will be able to um, go through this emotion, this curve quicker. Okay, that's one thing. The other thing I wanted to share with you is this uh, career resilience strategies that I have uh, put together. Now, this is based on my own experience, it's based on studies, it's based on reading. Um, but for me, the key here is that for your career, for you to have resilience, you need to, there is five things that I, I, I like to recommend. The first one is um, uh, adopt a growth mindset. Um, for, for people listening, uh, growth mindset is really the opposite of a fixed mindset, just as it says. Um, if you have a growth mindset, you are able to see opportunities where many people might fear or see challenges. You are able to see that actually I am not limited by my uh, circumstances. I can, um, I can actually explore new ways. Um, and it's really important when you have a growth mindset during any, uh, whether it's a pandemic or setbacks in life. Something that also is very key is know your purpose. I know we all talked about, you know, we talk about this a lot, but without knowing where your life is going or where you want it to go, it is very challenging to get up from any knockback in life, whether that's a pandemic or losing your jobs or hearing bad news. You need to know what your purpose is. And for me, my purpose came about five years ago when I was working in a job that I absolutely loved in, in retail, in marketing. And then all of a sudden I thought, well, this is all very good, but this is not what I really want to do. This is not what my heart and passion is. And, and for that reason, I had to leave my corporate job and set up my own company to, to actually help people, which is my passion. So for each and every one of you, if you're doing what you love, um, you are going to thrive in it. You are going to feel that that is your purpose. So really always come back, what is my purpose? What is it that I want to do? Invest in learning. I, I hear a lot of people saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. We all have 24 hours is what we do with it. And Diana said how she taught herself coding. How amazing is that, right? Um, you know, I went to university for, for four years. Did I learn to do coding? No, because I wasn't, I was, it was not my passion. I was not interested in it. So find what, what you love to do and get, just get, do it. Just start to do it. Um, during the pandemic for me, learning was learning how to grow my own vegetables, which is what I've been doing. I've got a small greenhouse. I've just been growing all sorts of funny things in there. Um, and it's just been lovely. So find what you love and invest time to, to learn that um, new skills. Um, Self-care and well-being. I think Diana covered that really beautifully. Uh, for me, it's about switching off my phone. So on Sunday, I, I, I don't call people on Sunday. I try not to go on social media on some Sunday. Um, if, you know, if you're running your own business, of course, it's important to be uh, visible. It's important to be online. But a lot of these posts you can automate. Um, but also, I believe that people are, are overwhelmed with information. So really be careful what you're sharing, but also just manage, manage your own time. Um, there's a lot of other things about well-being that I can share with you, things like meditation, uh, listening to music. For me, going out in, in the outdoor is, 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 is my medicine. You ha I have to go outside. So find what works for you. We're all very different. Um, fundamentally, embrace change. Um, just because we've just, we're going through a pandemic and it looks like we're going to come out of it, um, that's not the end. There's going to be other changes. So just have that mindset, flexible mindset. 
that says change is going to come whether I like it or not. The only way I'm going to go through it is how my attitude to it. So really just embrace, embrace change. Um, okay, and then what else? I wanted to talk about live by faith, which is my mantra. This is something that I've come across because I realize we live our life by fear. Most of us, you know, I'm scared of losing my job. I'm scared of upsetting somebody. I'm scared of losing my friends. I'm scared of losing my followers. I'm scared of everything. There's all this fear that we've consumed. And actually, when, when you feel fearful, you can't do anything about that fear. You can't move forward. You, know, you feel consumed and paralyzed. So I realized, actually, the best way to live is to live by faith, which so happened to also be my name. Um, but actually, for me, it just means I place my faith in God. Your, your faith can be in whatever you decide spiritually, whatever you decide for it to be. Have your faith, have something that you say, you know what, I am rooted. Like my family, my friends, this is, you know, this is who I am. These are the people that I surround myself with. This is the thing that gives me joy, that, you know, that helps me to grow. Um, a is for your attitude. Really, it's just everything. From the moment you wake up in the morning, you decide you're going to have a good day. Guess what? You're going to have an amazing day. You decide you're going to have a crappy day. It's going to happen. So just manage your attitude. Um, your internal beliefs. Um, I do a lot of coaching with uh, entrepreneurs and professionals on self-confidence. And if you don't believe in yourself, who will believe in you? So those conversations you have with yourself, self-doubt, they're there. We all have them. But don't let them overpower you. Just really, really be happy with who you are believe in yourself and, and, and the rest will, will come. Uh, trust. So again, with the pandemic, I believe that um, in the beginning, I was one of those people where I was really scared because I'm asthmatic, I've got two kids, and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But actually, as soon as I realized being fearful was not the answer because, you know, it was just the unknown, the unknown beast. We didn't know what the pandemic was, right? I realized we have to all trust that whatever situation we're in, it will come to pass. It's a temporary. It's not going to be permanent. Um, and then that leads on to having hope. Um, I'm an optimistic person by nature, uh, but sometimes we're not. So the key here is that have hope that things will work out for your good. Um, avoid negative content, especially on, you know, on social media. Um, and also negative people. I'm sorry, you know, um, sometimes we're our own worst enemy, but surround yourself with positive people because that's going to give you hope. That's going to give you energy. Um, so yeah, so we let, you know, uh, um, resilience by faith. This is very important. Um, okay, I love this quote by uh, Michelle Obama. Don't ever make decisions based on fear. Make decisions based on hope and possibility. So if you take nothing from what I'm saying is try and live your life not by fear. Don't let fear be the guide because with that, you are going to be limited. But remember that you're limitless, right? Um, okay, and, and I think that concludes my slides. Um, the only other thing to say was, get in touch with me. I do coaching, keynote speaking, corporate events. I have a book on Amazon and I'm still talking about Black Lives Matter. Okay. People are saying, oh, are we still talking about it? Yes, we are. And I have a conversation that I, I, I arrange every Friday. Uh, you're all invited to join. Um, if I can be of any help with your journey, uh, I'll be, you know, I'll be grateful to do that. So yeah, that's me really. Um, that's the end of my presentation. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you again. That was absolutely fantastic. I loved that. Um, and it's great that you're still doing stuff for Black Lives Matter. I think that a lot of things almost disappeared, if you know what I mean. And, but everybody else is still doing the fight. Everybody else is still part of it, except for some of just fed up of hearing about it. So it's really good that you're still doing something. Um, we'll be able to share details of where we can find the information about that afterwards so that we can get people to come along and get inspired and carry on doing amazing things. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much.
Okay, we are moving on to the next section, which is a tech journey. And we have Audrey going first. Are you there, Audrey? Hello, I am here. Hello, Hi. how's it going? Great. Um, can you turn the camera on? I think you have, you have to allow it first. Turn on. There you go. There we go. Amazing. <laughs> you can see me now? Yes, we can see you. I'm looking forward to about breaking the boundaries in the tech industry. So I'll leave Perfect. it. Yes. So what I will do, I will share my screen first of all, because I need to uh, present my slides. So let me know if you can see my screen in a minute. Do, do, do. Yeah, we can see it. Can you see in, uh, in presentation mode? It's not in presentation mode. Ah, okay, fine. Let me stop there. Sorry. Ah, technology. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. What about now? Uh, Is it in full mode? It's in full mode. It's in um, like play mode, I think. It's in play mode, yeah? Okay. Yeah. You can't see my notes or anything, yes? We can see your notes, yes. <laughs> okay. Presenter okay. mode, that's the term, presenter mode. <laughs> right, let me try another Apologies. Okay. How about now? Yeah, that's fantastic. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we get there eventually. <laughs> So, hello everyone, hello again. Uh, my name is Audrey Limeri, and uh, I am the founder of LY Corp, which is a data strategy consultancy. So now you may have noticed from uh, my, my voice, but I have a slight accent. <laughs> and if you have, you right. So I'm French, and more specifically, I am from the Caribbean. So I'm from a small island uh, called Martinique, which is located right here. Not sure if you can see, let me hide this here. That's better. So Baltic is located in the Caribbean, so a very small island, and I'm actually from that little, that small town right here in the south. Okay, so the first question I usually get when, when I say that, that I'm from the Caribbean is what exactly are you doing here? <laughs> in regard to the lovely British weather we have here, right? So, um, Basically, uh, I, right after completing a degree in transport and logistic management in my home islands, I decided to continue my studies in the UK. Uh, so I left Martinique in September 2008 to go to Huddersfield Uni in the north. And, um, and basically, Huddersfield, you know, basically I left my, my beautiful sunny island to come in sunny Huddersfield. And I was wondering, okay, what exactly am I doing here? Because this, this is crazy. I was, a, I was a, huge, a huge shock to the system. So fast forward a couple of years later, I graduated from, uh, from Huddersfield University in 2011 uh, with a supply chain degree. Uh, so basically nothing related to tech at all. And the funny story is that um, I remember going to one interview right, right after graduation, and they gave me an Excel test to pass. Would you believe that I could not even do a pivot table or a VLOOKUP? And that, that was pretty embarrassing, right? So my test skills at that point were quite low. Um, but I never let that define me and I learned from it. 
So how did it go? How did I go actually from being not so good at Excel to being a data expert right now? So I share my journey with you, the good and the bad. And, uh, and to be fair, although, uh, although that, that journey here seems quite linear, if I'm being totally honest, it actually look a bit more like this. But eh. <laughs> so uh, how did I actually become a techie without a tech background? So um, after graduation, I finally got my first job uh, in the UK as a supply chain analyst. And between 2011 and 2015, I had various roles in, in many companies. So for each role that I, I undertook, I acquired more and more skills. Um, for example, Excel, business analysis, data analysis, data modeling, SQL, Tableau, and the like, just to name a few. And this is how I actually transitioned from being just a supply chain professional to being a tech professional. But the thing is, when you arrive to a certain point in your career, um, people tend to see the good side, right? So your knowledge, your expertise, um, your, how skilled you are, etc. However, this, this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Um, there are so many boundaries we have to overcome. Uh, imagine being a black female in the UK with uh, uh, English as your second language. It's just terrifying. Um, so let's see what boundaries and challenges I have to overcome during that phase. So I had no computing background, as you already know. I had no direction or goals, and I was not sure what I enjoyed doing. You know, as an entry-level graduate, it may take you a while before you actually know uh, uh, what you want to do, before you can figure this out. So I was, trying to, I was trying to fit in, especially with a language barrier. And to make matter worse, I have experienced racism and bullying in the workplace. So that, that, was a, that was very uh, huge shock to the system and that impacted a lot my, um, my level of confidence. So I will share with you a couple of key points that have helped me or that I wish I knew back then, basically. So first thing, a computing or data degree background is not required to get into tech. Um, nowadays, with the, the knowledge out there, the technology we have, Having a computer data or data degree or background is really not essential to get into tech. You can get on the internet, have you know, uh, get uh, resources that can help you and break, breaking into tech. Bullying and racism are never acceptable, and it is okay to talk about it. So find the right person in the business to raise your concerns, and if you can't find anyone in the business is promoting this kind of culture and behavior, it may be time to move on. Having a mentor, so getting a mentor is a good way to keep yourself accountable and improve your confidence level and also shape the vision you have for your, for your career. Learning, yes, that's a very important point for me. So learning doesn't stop a university. So continuous learning is one of the keys to success. So seize every opportunity, opportunity you have to learn on a job and even off the job. So when you start your career, uh, find out what you're good at and what you love doing. And if you can, make it your specialty. Ten years down the line, what you do not want is having to wake up in the morning and you do not love what you do. And do not let anyone fit you into their box. But instead, build your own box. Okay? So now, the next chapter of my journey is about my transition into the world of data. At that point, I was a supply chain and tech professional but I had a real passion for, for data. 
So in the beginning of 2016, I decided to leave my full-time job and start, uh, start, I started my own business at Wildcorp. So I started back then working as a contractor in the Mount Limited Company. So my first contract was actually with Deloitte, then AMT Cybex, and then Avon. Then the issue at that point, what I realized is that the market was rapidly changing. It was getting very challenging to, uh, to find the next world. And the, the, the main skills recruiters were asking were in line with data science, analytics, and the like. So I made the decision to adapt and get upskilled. Um, in 2017, I started to learn how to code Python. So that's quite recent, about three years ago. Um, and the, the, the platform Udemy actually became my, my best friend. And I bought many courses on there from Python, data science, machine learning, and the like. And I was working toward becoming what they used to call a few years ago the unicorns of the 21st century, right? Also known as data scientists. So in 2018, I got my first contract as a data scientist with ABB, then Marquesson, and later back, and later on back with Deloitte. So at that point, my data portfolio was rapidly uh, expanding, and I realized I really enjoyed data strategy, finding data, finding solution, putting pieces um, of a puzzle together, etc. So I kept going into that direction. So now let's have a look at the main challenges I had to overcome back then. So yes, I still had to evolve in a male-dominated environment, very much so. Uh, still no data background or degree, but that didn't stop me. A lot of limiting beliefs and the fear of failure was very much present along with the imposter syndrome. Well, you get the picture. Um, here's what I wish I knew back then. So if you were a woman in the, in a, in a male-dominated environment, just like you know, in tech or in data, Embrace it, be yourself, and set yourself apart. Set some goals and get up skills. So when I started to learn how to code, I was learning almost everything I could about data science, right? But I later realized that you do not need to know everything. Identify first what you would like to become, the direction you want your career to take, then set some goals and develop some skills in line with these goals. It is okay to fail. That's one thing that's out, to, that's out to say, but it is a very good lesson that, um, that, lesson that I learned you know, with time. It's okay to fail as long as you learn from it and learn from your mistakes. Join a community of peers and grow your network. I think that will help a lot uh, developing and grow your career. Be flexible and ready to adapt to change. So be ready to adapt to the market. The market is changing constantly, especially with technology and the digital world. So be ready to adapt to the market. Not everyone will approve your choices. Family, friends may not agree with your decisions, but if you know what you want to do, this is what you love, keep the focus, set your goals, and, and keep focus on your goal. Um, Developing your business acumen and some soft skills. Yes, so tech skills are great, but do not underestimate your soft skills. So anything from project management, stakeholder management, negotiation, communication, this is very important. So as much as possible, develop your business acumen and your soft skills. And last, believe in yourself and kick the imposter syndrome down. When the limited beliefs, the doubt, the fear of failure kick in, quiet them down and keep the focus on your goals. So now, fast forward to, to, to now, really, in the most recent ch uh, chapter of my journey, I found out what I love doing. I developed my career and identified my specialty. 
Now, my main focus is to support small and medium businesses in embracing data and help them to thrive in a digital era. I also developed data training solutions to help professionals becoming data skilled professionals really and improve their data literacy. I'm also the chief data officer of Full Spectrum, uh, an education tech startup based in London. And my later venture, which I, I, I kept quiet until now, to be fair, is Dash Factory, which is a tech startup offering an analytics cloud app for SMEs and which is currently in development. So among all of it, I also advocate when I can for black women in data because I believe we really need more, more black women in data and, and especially in position of leadership. So even at that stage uh, of my journey, um, I am not immune to the fear of failure, to the imposter syndrome or, or the doubts and limiting beliefs. Um, I learned, I learned from my past, however. I learned from my mistakes. And I acknowledge that it is okay to fail as long as I keep trying. Um, it is okay to make mistakes as long as I learn from them. So I have no certainty that my ventures will be successful, but I make the choice to believe in myself and to try. So I, I believe in, in, in the journey, basically. So a, a couple of last key points to share with you. Break the molds so you do not have to conform to, to traditional systems or career path. If a job you like doesn't exist, create it, be bold, be bold about it. Be innovators. We live in a digital world and things are changing at an incredibly fast pace. So be ready to embrace innovation. It is okay to try. It is okay to be bold, but remember to always consider the risk be before making a move, right? So are you, will you be, will you be okay with the consequences if it doesn't work out? So you need to consider that. Differentiate yourself, that's very important. Uh, also, what you think is a weakness could actually be a strength and work in your advantage. So be yourself and differentiate yourself. Embrace who you are. We just remember as well, that's very important. It is, a, the, the, the journey is a marathon. It is not a sprint. So find the time to breathe through it all and enjoy the journey. And last and not least, dare to dream and aim for, and aim for success. And that's me. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the, the presentation. Try to make it fun. If you want to contact me, my email address is on, on, on this slide. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Thank you. Oh, wow. Sorry, I absolutely love that as well. This has been amazing. I'm just <laughs> in awe of all of you and everyone's saying amazing stuff about you guys as well. Thank you, Audrey. That was absolutely Thank amazing. Absolutely Thank you very much, Charlene. And um, Martinique to Huddersfield. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> love it. Cool. Well, <laughs> thank you very much. And again, we will make sure that we share all your information. And I've said to everybody as well, some of the contact details that you've already shared, everybody or everyone who's doing the talks are already on the Coding Black Females website. So if you go to Coding Black Females and look for the Lightning Talks um, link, then you'll be able to connect with people. Um, thank you. Okay, now we are on to Talia with Leadership in Tech. I'm very excited as well. <laughs> Hi there. Hi, everyone. Um, so I haven't got any slides. I've, I've done too many slides over the years, so I, I do a chat. Um, so basically, um, I moved to the UK, gosh, about 23 years ago um, as a very young um, adult. And um, 
I came over with a computer science degree. Um, I wasn't sure what area of tech I wanted to get into. In fact, I didn't even want to get into tech. Um, computer science just seemed like the in thing to do at that time, many, many years ago. Um, and I suppose for the first 10 years of um, my career, um, I I've worked mainly in data analytics and BI, so similar to Audrey. Um, but for the first 10 years of my career, although probably for more than half of those 10 years, um, I was a manager of people. Um, I was managing um, and definitely not leading. And it, I think what, I'll go through what the differences are um, from my perspective, but I think um, what tended to happen then was I was trying to fit in, um, which is what some of the other ladies, Audrey and Faith have gone through, uh, talked about as well. I was trying too hard to fit in um, and back then, I'm talking about the early 90s, um, it was very, very male dominated, um, especially in data. Um, it was very white male dominated as well. Um, and I was trying hard either to play small, not to stand out too much, um, to fit in and um, to go by the guidebook. You know, I'd been given all these sort of management training, so to speak. Um, and it, I just felt frustrated. Um, I would get frustrated that my teams weren't doing what I wanted them to do. Um, I'd get frustrated that I wasn't getting the recognition that I thought I deserved. Um, I was working ridiculous hours um, trying to keep up, um, especially when I was working in the finance um, industry um, in data. And I would get home and I'd just feel really despondent about my day. Um, I didn't enjoy any of it. Um, and I, I started to fall out of love with tech. I mean, I've always had a curiosity. Um, I taught most of my, although I had a computer science um, degree, the computer science that we learned back then wasn't very relevant in, in the workplace. Um, but I always had a curiosity to see how things work. So I'd kind of, you know, play around with things, create databases and things like that as I went along. Um, but after 10 years of doing that, I had just become, as I said, completely despondent with the whole um, industry and everything about tech. And I decided to pack up, I had two children at that point, um, I decided to pack them up and move back to Zambia, where I was originally from, uh, to run an elephant sanctuary, completely random, um, an opportunity that came my way and I just for once thought, yeah, why not? Um, and I think that was kind of the beginning of um, my self-awareness journey, uh, my personal development journey as well. And so I went out there um, and I had to do everything. Um, so there was project management, there was building a website, which I had, again, um, similar to Diane's story, I learned how to do off YouTube. Um, I had to build them a website, I had to set up web, web analytics for them. Um, I had to do donor management, so all the funding that was coming in from around the world, had to figure out who was going to get which bit, um, program management, because there was different areas within the charity as well. Um, had to deal with volunteers coming over and be mum, make sure that, you know, nobody got into trouble, make sure everybody was comfortable, everybody had their visas and everything else. Um, and then the big part of my, my role, if that wasn't enough, was actually sales, because I had to convince people to donate to this charity, otherwise it wouldn't carry on. And one thing I never thought, I mean, I did a short stint, I think when I first moved to the UK of doing um, tele-sales for a photocopier company, and I absolutely hated sales, and I thought I was just rubbish at it. Um, and if anybody had asked me if I'd ever be good at sales, I'd have said definitely not. Um, but when I went out to Zambia to run this um, elephant sanctuary, I had to convince people to spend money on animals. And, you know, if, for a part of Southern Africa where there's a high rate of poverty, um, there's much bigger issues to deal with um, than 
people would you know suspect saving wildlife would be i had to learn to build a strategy to encourage people to donate to um the, the charity so that we could um carry on running and of course it was very important for losing elephants in zambia and zambia is mainly focuses on tourism as well like most of southern africa so we we're losing elephants and obviously that would stop people coming over and, and spending their money um, so what I would do is I'd host events and so I became an event manager as well um, and what I kind of and, and all this time I was thinking yeah but and or I had a lot of people say to me but you've, you're going to you know at some point you're going to either have to decide what you're going to do because you're going to lose track of your tech career you know so many technologies are coming out all the time you're not going to be able to keep up with it um, and you, you're not you know you're not going to find your slot back in there but what I, I viewed it as is basically putting things into my toolbox. Um, all these things like project management, managing people, um, you know, all the different areas, looking after finances and stuff like that. I was, from my point of view, I was putting this all into a toolbox that I didn't know why I was gonna use it or when I was gonna use it again, but I'll just carry on collecting that. And I said, as I said, that came, kind of started my self-awareness journey. Um, so after doing that for two and a half years, um, I had to come back to reality. I had kids to educate and school fees in that part of the world is too extortionate. So I moved back to the UK um, with my two sons and I went back into um, BI. Um, but this time I approached it from what I call a leadership perspective, not from a management perspective. And in that sense, I started to focus more on myself and my own personal development and my self-awareness so I started to look at okay what are my values you know what are the things that I would not compromise for anything what are my strengths um, what am I good what am I naturally good at um, tech wise in personal life in other areas of business what am I actually naturally good at um, I looked again about my passions. What am I actually, what gets me excited? So even if I look at my day-to-day -day role um, of, and then I was a BI manager, so I was building, you know, business intelligence solutions um, for Serco at that time. And, but what in that actually excited me? What would make my days go faster? And it wasn't um, always writing code. Um, but that's where I started to get more interested more curious in me as a person which is strange to say after 30 odd years but and that's where my journey of self-discovery kind of came to fruition um, i decided to train to be a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher as well um, i did a coffee barista course because i love coffee and i just i said yes to everything that i always had an interest in i decided to say yes to for a change rather than say but that's not got nothing to do with my career so why would i even bother spending time on doing that um and that's kind of how my re my career actually really took off from that point um my teams were becoming more innovative um i then started because i've done all this work on myself i started to apply a lot of those principles when i was coaching my teams um, so I'd spend, rather than doing, you know, the mandatory PDP reviews with them, I'd actually take an interest in them and say, what is it that you actually want to do? Work with them to discover their strengths, work with them to, you know, discover what their passions are, their values, all of that, all of that work that I'd done on myself, I started to apply to my teams. And at one point I was leading a team of about 28 people, um, some based here, some based in Poland, some based in, in Bangalore and India, but I'd have the same approach um, with, with all of my team members. And I'd take that time out of my day to actually spend time speaking to them and getting to know them as human beings, as people, rather than cogs in a wheel. 
and um, after doing that for a few years, I kind of, I think out of that, I found out my passions and my strengths were one, definitely coaching people, um, actually helping people to discover, you know, sort of, it, I think when, when it comes to coaching, it's more about, um, you know, taking, asking questions that get people curious about themselves and also taking roadblocks out of their way, so to speak. So, you know, all the things that we say, no, I can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. It's actually advising them that, well, if you think a little bit differently or if you try it in a different way, you probably can get around that issue. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, as I said, and then I started to think about my own career and, you know, starting to go up, I became head of, um, head of the department um, at Capita. And then I moved on to um, do another role at Sky at the time. And I, I started to think about, okay, where's my career going? Because one of the things I, when I'm doing my coaching is, okay, what's your vision? What's your plan? What do you actually, what's the end goal? You know, because um, I'm a great believer in if you don't plan your career, somebody else is going to plan it for you. And that's usually your manager or whoever you're reporting into. So I was thinking, well, what do I actually want to do? You know, what, what's my end goal? And I started to look at, you know, sort of chief data officer roles and stuff like that. Um, and then I started to look at people in those positions in the various companies that I was working for. And I decided, no, that's not what I want to do at all. <laughs> After spending, you know, looking at them stressed out and, you know, probably not having a lot of personal time. And, and also it, it became less about people and it became more about strategy and um, budgets and, you know, stuff that I wasn't necessarily um, interested in. Um, that's when I decided, okay, that's not what I want to do. Um, so I launched my um, coaching, my own coaching business, um, which is Ubuntu Leadership Coaching. And Ubuntu is basically a philosophy from Southern Africa, which um, is based in and founded in humanity. So connection between people um, and actually seeing people as people rather, as I said, rather than cogs in, in a wheel. And so I launched Ubuntu Leadership, um, which we do sort of leadership coaching. Now, when I say lead, I don't call myself an executive coach because I don't do executive coaching. Leadership coaching to me starts at any point in your career. It could be the first day you start your very first job straight out of uni. It could be like with my 17-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old son now when he's doing, you know, just coming out of doing his or kind of doing his GCSEs. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not about a title. It's about a mindset. And it's, I think the four pillars of leadership coaching, in my view, are that self-awareness, actually figuring out what you want um, and what you want to do with your career. It's also about diversifying. So gathering your toolbox, you know, you never know what skill set you're going to need at any point and not just focusing on tech skills. Obviously, as um, Audrey and Faith mentioned, you know, focusing on your soft skills as well. And also just things that, you know, might you might enjoy doing just for the hell of doing it go out and do it. Um, you know, put that in your toolbox. You never know why, when you might need it. Um, so that's what I mean by diversifying and also um, curiosity. So constantly researching the market, finding out, you know, what's happening in the industries that you're interested in. When you go for job interviews or um, are looking to plan your career, actually get curious about the company or the organization's values, because I think definitely you have more, a higher chance of success if your values align with the company that you're working for. I think if you find that you're, you've got opposing values to the organization you're working for, it's not going to work for you. Um, you might get somewhere, but it's going to be an uphill struggle to get there. Um, and then one of the most important things, and I think that's the where the Ubuntu side of the leadership um, coaching that I do is relationships. So building relationships at work, um, on social media, with different, um, you know, across 
a whole host of different platforms and face-to-face -face as well, which is difficult at the moment. But um, And that's all about networking because I'm a firm believer that um, a lot of decisions that are made about you and your career happen when you're not in the room. It's conversations people are having with other people and usually senior leaders are having about you. So I think it's really important to network both um, sideways, so with your peer, peers, um, but also making sure you network upwards as well. Um, and making sure that, you know, if, even if it's like now while we're in lockdown, things like LinkedIn, uh, you know, as a platform, commenting on people's posts, actually engaging in conversation. Um, and I think we sometimes as black women, we tend to focus more, and I, I'm, I was, I'm guilty of that as well, is focusing more on the tangible skills that we can have. Um, it gives us that a little bit of confidence. Um, but I think what's most important is actually developing ourselves um, as well from a personal perspective. Um, so. And finally, I think one of the key things that I also encourage is to find a way to give back in some way. Um, I think that starts to define what success means for a lot of people, because I think as you sort of climb up the career ladder or open up your own organizations and stuff like that, the real sense of success comes from being able to give back. Um, so one of the other, my sort of my passion project I do is I do a free um, coaching platform for women. Uh, so we get volunteer coaches from a whole different spectrum, everything from creativity and play to business coaching to um, emotional healing, financial wellness, um, you know, financial clinics, uh, a whole different host. Because I think a lot of women don't understand what the benefits of coaching are. So if I, I went through, it, it took me 10 years plus another two years to actually get started on my self-discovery journey. I think that would have happened a hell of a lot quicker if I wasn't trying to do it on my own. Um, so what I do is just introduce women to different types of coaching. Um, and I find what I have found uh, with the Happy Hour community, which is um, our free coaching platform, is that we all have the same issues. You know, we've all got the same stresses, um, whether it's about finance or whether it's about career progression or whether it's about family life and relationships and whatever it is, or emotional um, issues beliefs, you name it. We've all kind of got the same struggles that we're all dealing with and finding a, a community, your tribe, um, as, as um, Faith had said, you know, finding that community to support you is really, really key because I think it's especially now during this lockdown period, um, the idea was to create a platform where women could have something fixed. It was Monday to Friday. We've now eased it off a little bit. We're doing Monday and Wednesday, but it, it gives you the opportunity to take time out for yourself. And that kind of goes into the wellness thing. It's not about looking after, you know, if you've got a family, it's not about looking after the kids, not about looking after your partner or your pets or, you know, parents or whoever else you've got to worry about every other minute of the day this is all about actually investing in yourself um and i think sometimes we struggle to do that as women we're, we're you know unless it's something that we can use to advance our careers or um you know pay the bills or whatever it is i think we tend to forget to actually look at our look after ourselves first because you can't help your help anybody else or um progress really without without looking after number one first which is yourself um, so yeah, I think that's me in a nutshell. Um, so thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you again. That was absolutely fantastic. I, I love that journey. I love the fact that it started in an elephant sanctuary. Bubbling <laughs> elephant shit. To be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you now. Look at you now. <laughs> um, so I think that's absolutely amazing. I, again, what I've said is I'm going to be sharing all this information and it's all going to be available on 
YouTube afterwards. One thing that I really do want to talk to you about afterwards, though, is um, the leadership program that you do. I really want to do the same sort of thing with encoding black females and it'd be really good to see if we can do that together. So Brilliant. thank you Fantastic. so much. Oh, no worries. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're on to our next speaker. Um, so it's another tech journey and it's in I'm really sorry if I got the name wrong. I'm so sorry. And it's tech changes, creativity and curiosity. Are you here? Yeah. Hello. Um, um, can you hear me okay? Yes, yes, definitely. Okay. Um, my name's Nkechi. My um, last month I completed my studies at the University of Sheffield and I was studying business management and economics. So not really tech related, but um, I got to partake in the level one and level two Code First Girls courses in web development and uh, Python, which I finished last semester, and um, I'm also doing for I'm a part of our first cohort for our fellowship, which starts tomorrow as well. And then I actually start working on Monday too. But um, I think I can. I guess my tech career hasn't necessarily started, but my journey is kind of hard to pinpoint. Um, I think it's kind of it's informed by a lot of things in my life so my dad is an engineer in electronics and computing so because of him I definitely had a general interest in technology and it wasn't something foreign to me like I could watch him um, doing stuff on his computer or we'd have all these electronics around the house but for some reason I didn't really make the connection until recently that this could be a career but then when I was thinking about it today, I thought it doesn't really neatly fit into the doctor, lawyer um, category, which my African parents told me. But um, that being said, I would say the actual beginning for me was around when I was eight or nine. Uh, we were given the brief of a school assignment and I'd interpreted it as being pretty brief, but maybe I was just trying to push the boundaries a bit. And we had to do a presentation. So most people did, um, I'm guessing, a PowerPoint or a poster. And maybe it was one of those days when you had like PE or FT as well. I didn't really fancy bringing in a poster. And I knew my dad back in the day when um, memory sticks were more expensive, I didn't think he'd give me one which would hold all the like transitions and um, things I wanted to add to my PowerPoint and I didn't want to lose it so I thought I can't remember where I initially got the idea but I thought I'd just make a website and then I just come into school and type in the URL for my website and do my presentation that way and um, that was like my first introduction to web design and I found it really interesting I think it ends with I got the ICT prize for the end of the year but um, I think looking back and in hindsight, I, I learned a lot, like the main thing being how web design, coding and programming give you interesting problem solving skills and they can be a really fun way to be creative as well. And I would return to this as I got older. So when I was maybe like 11 or 12, I would like to make, I don't know what I was making all of these websites for, but I enjoyed doing it and I would use these templates for blogs and whatnot. 
but I would feel quite constrained in what I could do. So then I thought I would teach myself some basic coding and HTML and stuff. But then when it would come into going into school, I would find the syllabuses were doing quite uninspiring. So I kind of got bored of it. And I think this comes alongside what like many young people face at school is maybe like um, teachers and members of staff being a bit discouraging, especially when we can have a lot of racism here in education, but it's not very explicit. It's um, subtle. So teachers may be saying that black students shouldn't do these subjects. They should focus more on the sports. And I think this coincided in time when I was becoming more uninterested and there's just, it was maybe a negative time in education, but then as I came to uni and got to learn how to code again, I remembered how much I really loved learning and really um, enjoyed tech and what I could do with it. And I really liked, I, like learning about the opportunities it offers it gives you a lot more room for almost self-determination so when i was at ff conference last year um i met people who some of them were trained fully trained lawyers some of them hadn't gone to university but everyone could make their own sort of career or do what they wanted within the tech space and over respective roles and other things I see more recently as well, such as I'm trying to get involved with this initiative which um, teaches um, women refugees how to code and also my uncle in Nigeria working on a, product, um, a project where prisoners will be get taught to code or people who've been stigmatized by the criminal justice system. And I, I think it's really nice to see the freedom it offers you and a lot of other individual um individuals and also the flexibility i also think outside of just learning programming and about the different languages is something i've learned in my own personal journey is how the personal aspect so you can do what you want with it when i think of the discouragement i went through at school as well maybe the people who discouraged me then wouldn't have thought that someone like me could code. I remember when I enrolled on my first course, even at university, being told by um, my male classmates that it was just another diversity thing when they weren't even interested. But I think for good opportunities for people who can create more of their own way and allow you to shape your career a bit more. And also as I concluded my studies last month, I just think back about how I wouldn't say I'm um, quite as far as other speakers who are groundbreaking, but you can very much do things which people didn't expect from you. And I'm excited for the next steps and what I will learn in the future with this. Thank you. That was actually wonderful. So what I think you don't realize, you just, you started by saying that you're not really on your tech journey but then you described your entire tech journey. <laughs> you're definitely on your journey and it sounds amazing. And it sounds, it's amazing that you're doing so much to contribute, even though you feel that you're not on your journey, if you know what I mean, that's absolutely fantastic. And I think it was really nice to hear that you're um, 
your dad's like an engineer and all that sort of stuff. So my dad is as well. And that really inspired me to get into all the stuff that I do. So it's really good to hear. And I'm just, yeah, good luck on the rest of your journey. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Believe in it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for your talk. Okay, we are on to our next talk for a tech journey. And we have Isabel Costa talking about her journey to contributing to open source. So Isabel. Can we get you in? Yes. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I have some slides. So let me just share. OK, you can see my slides? Yes, we can. Yay. OK, so hello again. Uh, I'm Isabel Costa. I'm a software engineer from Portugal, uh, but based in London. So I'm here to share about my journey through open source in hopes to show that uh, contributing to open source isn't so daunting as sometimes it may feel. Uh, so just to set um, what I mean by open source in, in case someone doesn't know here. Um, when, I, when I talk about open source, I, I mean uh, when people contribute to open code. Uh, so uh, projects which the code is open. Um, the, the code can be visible on uh, websites like GitHub or GitLab. Uh, so this is all a, a sort of philosophy of collaborating together with people to make projects out in the open, in public. So uh, when I think about my journey, I think back to 2016 which uh, I was still studying in college, computer science. And I remember thinking about open source and thinking uh, that I could improve my skills um, and gain some experience and improve my portfolio of work while contributing to open source. Although I had this, I had this feeling that open source was a bit intimidating. Uh, like I was still learning how to code and I wanted to contribute to other people's projects. So it, it seemed very intimidating at the time, but I, I had this idea to contribute. So I learned about Google Sum of Code, which is a program for uh, students. Uh, so students earn a stipend to work with an open source community. I learned this through a colleague at, at the university who knew another colleague who participated in Google Sum of Code and said it was a great experience. So I just thought, well, let's let's try this out. Let's see if I can get into this program. And I got rejected. Uh, I got rejected and then I just, I basically continued with my life. Uh, I didn't invest much more time in, in open source. I really didn't know how to start. So I just, well, I continued. I, I was working as an Android developer. I was studying. I just forgot a bit about open source. But then, in December uh, 2017, almost two years later, I discovered another program, 24 pull, uh, 24 pull Request, which is an initiative that usually happens during the month of December because it has a Christmas theme where you can contribute to projects that are listed on the website and you can contribute to open source during that month. So I, I tried it out. So as a first contribution, uh, I, I wanted to start really small. So I, I, I searched for markdown contributions. 
Markdown is, is just a format for documentation. So I didn't have to write code. I just have to, I just wanted to add a little documentation to, to a project. And I found a project uh, called Hire Me, Hire Me, uh, which was about having um, resources, resources for someone uh, doing their job hunt. And I remembered a job board that wasn't there. So I just thought, okay, let me send a pull request. Let me uh, submit this job board and see how it goes. And it was actually accepted. And the PR was launched. So then that was my first contribution to open source. I got the idea of the workflow of how to work on GitHub with ports and clones, uh, the repositories and contributing. So then in February 2018, I, got, um, I heard about Outreachy program. An Outreachy program is similar to Google Summer of Code, but instead of being targeting just students uh, who are at uh, universities, it targets uh, people from underrepresented groups. So I looked at this program and I searched some communities that were participating and I tried to see how, um, if I could apply. And one of the communities that I found said specifically, if you are eligible for GSOC, please apply through GSOC. So I thought, okay, let's, let's try GSOC again. And then I looked also at other communities participating during GSOC. And I found again, CISOC community, which was the same community that I tried to apply in 2016, but I got rejected. But this time I looked through another lens. I, I re-identified with the, the mission from the community because it, 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 its mission is all about uh, helping women in tech uh, through technology. So I just, I just tried and applied again. But this time I tried with another approach and I submitted a proposal for a new project instead of getting to know, trying to get to know a, a project uh, out of nothing uh, and trying to contribute and build a proposal based on that. So I proposed a new project and I was accepted this time. Um, by the way, just a reference, it was CISIS community, but now it's an ETB, that's why I have the, the icon. So this time I was accepted and I was beyond excited uh, to contribute to open source. And it was an amazing experience. Um, it happened during the summer, I learned a lot. And when I say I learned a lot, uh, I learned a lot technically as a software engineer. I learned a lot about the open source community or uh, how, how people can collaborate effectively remotely. Uh, I even learned uh, about leadership skills, right? Uh, because at some point I was already leading um, a big project. So I, I just learned a lot through, throughout this experience. It was amazing. But one of the most valuable uh, learnings that I got is that you can contribute with other than code, uh, in other ways than code. I feel that sometimes when people talk about open source, they may talk a lot about um, it's a lot talk about within the developer community, but I don't hear that often uh, QA testers contributing or uh, technical writers. Now it's a bit more talked, technical writers. In fact, there's a, a program from Google, just like Google Summer of Code, but instead of being focused in coding, it's focused in documentation, which is season of docs. So this was the most valuable thing that I learned. Uh, because from this moment, I learned, oh, th there's so much opportunities in open source, right? And in the project that I contributed throughout the Google Summer of Code, 
I actually did a lot of these things. I, I designed some parts of the UI. I wrote some documentation about the project and to help people um, do manual testing on the backend API that I wrote. And, and I developed the project. So by this time, uh, well, I, I, I learned a lot. So now fast forwarding to today, where am I today? Today I'm maintaining the projects that I started during Google Summer of Code and I, I get to learn a lot from the community. I contribute mostly to the community I'm in, which is an ETB open source community. Although sometimes I also contribute to other projects if I find the time or if I find a really small fix that I can add to the project. A lot of times this is documentation fixes, which are also very important. Um, but basically, I, I'm exploring the maintainer side of things, uh, as well as the contributor side, because I also try to help with QA testing sometimes, building content from, for the community, um, and I just really love it. So now I want to tell a bit about why do I continue contributing, right? Because uh, I started in 2016, but then I stopped for a bit, then I, I started again. And then I just stick to it. I just continue. So I can think of many reasons why I still contribute to open source. Um, for example, I can still improve my skills as a software engineer. I learned that no matter what, in what phase of your stage of your career you are, you can always learn something new uh, through open source, through other people you collaborate in um, with. Uh, I, learned, I, I can improve my leadership skills by maintaining the project and, um, and, and just explore in general. So, and also I have to think a lot uh, contributing to open source. For example, uh, I, I passed through a phase of job hunting now during the pandemic. And one of the biggest things that I, I was keen on was trying to sell myself on uh, what I do on my spare time. I also love that when contributing to open source, you can explore things that you may not get the chance to explore at work. Maybe it's a new technology, maybe it's a new area. Uh, sometimes when I talk with people who are changing careers, I, I really try to push for, try to contribute to open source because it, it's a way for you to get a public portfolio right here, uh, contributing to a project which is visible. You can show your code or you can show your documentation or the tests you made for a specific uh, part of the code. So in general, I, I just highly recommend people to contribute to open source. And there's a lot of other things uh, surrounding open source, right? There's the problem sometimes of finding time to contribute. Uh, but again, I, I contribute to open source because I really like it. And, and I, found, I found what I like to do within open source. Uh, if I don't like it and don't need to do, I probably don't, don't do it. But um, yes, I, I do what I like. On it. And I guess that's it. I think it was very short. Uh, but feel free to reach out to Vara for Source. I love talking about it. I, I, I just made it very short. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's really, really good to hear about the benefits of open source. And it sounds like it's it's more than just a bit of code. It's you've learned mm. so many other skills all around it as well. So that's really inspiring inspiring and really really useful so thank you so much and i look forward to thank our you. podcast in the future that we're going to do but <laughs> it's a little secret <laughs> thank you very much um thank you so much
Okay, we will move on. Everybody, by the way, all the speakers, everybody is saying that you're all so inspiring and so amazing. So thank you so much for taking part, honestly. Um, we're on to our next section, which is learning in a pandemic. Okay, Rihanna, um, learning in a pandemic with a baby. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, hi guys, I'm Rihanna. Um, I wanted to share my journey on basically learning in a pandemic, having no experience in, well, not no experience, no knowledge in programming and software engineering and doing that while having a baby. So I've always had an interest in tech. I've always been curious to learn. I've always wanted to know how things work. If anything, I've always was that child. My mum would come to me if she needed any help with her computers, whether it was Excel or PowerPoint. I would be the one she would call, never mind about my other siblings, but um, it wasn't until after I had a baby, I started thinking about what I actually wanted to do with my life. And I just started doing lots of research online, just looking at jobs that I felt would match mine, well, sorry, that would match my skill set and my interests. And... I was mainly looking into technology. I was trying to see what roles within tech would suit mine. And then I started applying for apprenticeships. So I wasn't really getting any luck with it. So I kind of gave up. So then I took that on pause. And after I had a baby, I thought, why not do a, a course, do a college course or something, just learn while I can. So I applied for a boot camp, which I was lucky to get through. And it started in the middle of the pandemic. So during, as soon as lockdown had started, I probably started learning the week after. And before I did it, I made sure I did a lot of research just to really figure out what I would need to achieve or just be successful with the course. I wanted to make sure I could learn as much as I could. So I would just go on YouTube or I'll go on YouTube, I would Google job prospects, just, I guess, what you would do as a software engineer, what would it take? Um, I was also looking for something where I could possibly work remotely and add a little bit of creativity because most of my experience, I like working within the creative industry and software engineering I was able to I thought I'd be able to use a bit of my innovation my creative skills and put it to the test so once I started doing the course I was just prepared to really I was prepared to fail because I knew it wasn't going to be easy I kind of thought I would have to be a mathematical genius genius because I was never really that good at maths but I thought I'd give it a try. I like challenges, so what was the worst that could happen? That's pretty much how I saw it. Um, I did as much research as I could. I tried to kind of do a bit of prep. I started learning HTML and CSS, which I felt once I'd learned that, I knew. I felt as if it was going to be easy after I'd done HTML, but I was in for a shock. But my main, the things that I focused on during the pandemic, because I had a baby, I just had to make sure I had a schedule and I stuck to it. So I was working every day, nine to five, nine to five thirty. So I'd make sure I woke up 
extra early, sometimes 6am, 7am, just preparing my baby, making sure she's settled, then I could pass her on to her father. I would listen to a little podcast on music, so probably half an hour before the course would start, I would listen to some music just to mentally prepare myself and relax. But once I started it, it was just a lot of information. I started getting overwhelmed. It was kind of scary. I started questioning whether I would even be able to do it. But I did, the way I look at things, I've got a growth mindset. And during that time, I also learned more about how I can develop it. I just saw everything has, everything happens for a reason. And the more I would work on things, I could just do research. I would learn eventually I had to just understand that everybody's journey is different. And even though there was people on the course that was, there was people on the course that was also learning, they probably had a bit more experience or less. Everyone had their strengths and weaknesses, but we was able to kind of just use that to our advantage. So if I had a weakness in JavaScript or I didn't really understand, I would just wouldn't be afraid to speak to somebody and just ask for some help, do a little bit of pair programming, which really just helped you. It really just helped give me a bit more confidence and just communicate and get a better understanding of but, um, get a better understanding of it. It really having a baby during the course, it started becoming a bit too much because I would live in a small house and it's hard to really just study and then having a lot of noise in the background. So I had to invest in headphones, put myself in a spare room, I'd go for a walk, just do a bit of things outside. And then it got to a point where, it got to a point where I just wouldn't stop. I got a bit too, fo- um, too consumed into my work. It was just really interesting. I've never really been as engaged in something as I have when it came to learning technology and programming as much as I found it a challenge and struggling as much as I found it a challenge and a struggle I enjoyed just coming up with solutions and once I finally understood something it was like I don't know it was a great victory for me so yeah um well one thing I learned was I have a lot of resilience staying persistent just continuing to push even if you're failing even if you're not really achieving what you thought you would achieve or you're not doing it by the particular deadline just continue when when I first started I didn't understand anything I was getting thrown so much information I was just overwhelmed and then three weeks later it was a massive jump and I wasn't a genius I didn't know everything but compared to what I had known or learned the first week it was great to see the progress. I would take time after the course. To, I would probably just give myself an hour. I tried not to overdo it. But just give myself an hour after the course to do some more reading, practice on cold cutting or cold wars, and just really build my knowledge. But yeah, it was definitely a challenge learning during the pandemic, but I enjoy programming. I enjoy software engineering, so it was more of it was a fun experience because people, yeah, it was a fun experience. If you haven't noticed, this is my first time talking, but I would like to, yeah, thank you very much.
Thank you very much. Honestly, that was amazing. Honestly, I think that everybody again has just been saying how inspiring what you said was and the fact that you did so much, you had a child and you didn't see it as a, as a hindrance. You didn't see your child as something that would slow you down. It sort of sped you up and it gave you that inspiration and motivation to carry on. And that is such an amazing story to tell. And I really hope that you will continue to tell the story to people so that they will be inspired by everything that you've done. Cause that's amazing, honestly. And I'm glad that you found it in code cause code is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was impossible, but you just, any, I can put anything, anything I put my mind to, I can achieve. That's yeah. what I've learned. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much to all of the speakers. This has been such an amazing evening with so many inspirational talks. Honestly, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, what I would like to say is, any, does anybody in the... Um, any of the attendees, anybody in the audience have any questions for anybody? This is where I sit awkwardly and I'm like, are there any questions? Yes, we have a question. Someone said they loved how all the talks were so unique and they really were. It was absolutely fantastic. Faith has a question. Um, what was the name of the unicorn Facebook group that Diane mentioned? Okay, so the name of the group is called unicorn squad for black women with adhd but it's not just adhd it's anyone who's got autism or adhd or dyslexia um any any of that you're you're allowed in there awesome natalie i think you have a question i'm gonna let you speak because i have the power i'm gonna let you speak <laughs> ask your question so for those of you who didn't, who, who don't have or didn't have a tech background um, when you um, came into tech, um, like didn't have a tech, didn't have a degree in computer science or something, um, how suitable was it for you to sort of start with HTML and CSS? I'm not too sure which area I would like to get into as yet, but it's definitely tech is sort of an area that I'm just discovering. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to know, you know, I'm a teacher, I, I studied sociology at university and then did a PGC, so I have no sort of background in tech, just an interest. So I've started with HTML and CSS and I just wanted to know how suitable that was as a starting point. Um, I would say it depends on where you want to go, like if you want to go front end, if you want to go back end, if you want to get into app development. I would just play around with everything and then see how you go. So HTML and CSS is a great, great, great place to start. Moving on to something like JavaScript, even Python now is becoming super popular. JavaScript has become super popular. There's a whole bunch of different languages that you can learn, but some you may pick up quickly and some you may find you may not be able to pick up as quick. So I would personally say, throw your just try everything and then see what you really, really gel with and then follow what you more gel with. I know for me, I've met a few women who are, um, they are more backend and they work with other kinds of um, more advanced um, languages but they couldn't write HTML or CSS for the life of them, you know? So I would definitely say just throw yourself in to whatever you feel comfortable with 
and um, obviously push your boundaries as much as you can and just see where you fall. And um, yeah, just um, that's, that would be my best advice. I don't know about everybody else, but that's what I would definitely do. Thank you. I don't know if you can still hear me, but thank yeah, you. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> just quickly as well, like how many hours a day? You know, I know everyone is so, I know everyone is so different. Um, everyone has different schedules and things like that. But like to, to sort of learn at a steady pace, at a, I don't know, is there, a, is there a, a mark that you can say, okay, you know, one hour a day, two hours a day? Um, again, I think it would depend. So for me, it's not just really about the amount of hours, but also when do you feel at your best? Mm. Some people feel more at their best at nighttime. For me, for me, I know that I retain a lot more information at nighttime than I do in the daytime. So I may do more work then than I may do in the morning. In the morning, you couldn't ask me to make a cup of tea, let alone a website. So it's really um, down to, I guess, when you feel more... Um, uh, where you feel more at your best and time-wise is really down to you so if you've got that two hours during the day schedule that in put it in your phone that every uh, every day for two hours between seven and nine or whatever that you will do a little bit of coding but also don't just learn from the books but do actual projects as well I find that if you retain more um you retain more information if you actually do projects yeah. rather than just follow by what the book says yeah. or what the course says um but yeah practicing every day is definitely something that you would need to do but also just try to think when is the best time when am i at my best when can i dedicate 100 percent of my focus on it and can i schedule it for maybe you know one hour a day if you don't have one hour because as well some people have got families they've got to run up and down and do all types of madness even if it's half an hour you're still getting somewhere so don't think that you have to do this big you know two hour thing or whatever if you even if you do half an hour that's still enough time and what you would find is that you would want to add more time the next day and add more time the next day but obviously self-care here don't go overboard and it's like four o'clock in the morning and you're still doing something on JavaScript, take time, make sure that you retain the information that you've learnt um, and then just move on to the next thing. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we are actually going to go back to Ibi now. I think your connection's good, right? Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yes, we can. I'm going to spotlight you. Hi everyone, thank you. Thank you so much for your patience, for waiting, and thank you for this opportunity. So um, my topic is oh. Mind and Mind, which came from learning in a pandemic. And the way I figured it out is, is a situation I had to deal with. And this is not just during the pandemic, with learning anything, with trying out new skills, you find that you struggle between like your physical strengths and your mental capacity, like trying to figure out like which one is more compelling for you to learn this new skill, which one is going to drive you to achieve more. And at the beginning of March, I got a great opportunity to start a new job. 
prior to that, I've been working as a technical support engineer, even though I, which is still very much in tech. I studied, let me just give you a bit of a background. I studied computer science and then I did my master's in software engineering because I wanted to focus on software development. I wanted to build my career from front end and move it all the way up to, when I well not wanted, I still want to, but I worked in technical support for a bit. And in March, which was when the coronavirus had just got it into Nigeria, I got, because I live in Lagos, Nigeria, I got the an opportunity which I would say is like really good for a step in the right direction for helping me grow as a developer to join the testing uh, and development team of a <laughs> of um, of an IT solutions company with headquarters in the United States and I felt like okay since this is going to be 100% remote it doesn't matter if we're in lockdown it doesn't matter what's going on I just have to um, bring my focus back home. I just have to keep like improving and learning new skills. All the skills that I had pushed back to focus on support, all the typescripting and everything. So I felt like, okay, this is a great chance to learn again. Um, one week in, I fell ill. I was sick for about a week. And with all the fear of what was going on, you don't want to listen to the news. You don't even want to go to the hospital because there's like code red, anyone with symptoms, is probably coronavirus. And then at that point, I started asking myself questions like, okay, um, what are you going to do? So I saw myself struggling, I was struggling with a new environment, even though I wasn't, I found out I wasn't working with them physically, but it was taking all of me, it was a new thing for me. I had to immerse myself, I had to do twice as much because I needed to prove myself with my background. So I had to uh, work extra hours at the same time I was still learning. So after I'm done for the day, I'm still going to continue coding. So for me, I was doing like, well, what some people would say too much, but I, um, for me, I was doing like all I had to do to ensure that I was being the best, I was being in tune with my team. So places I struggled in, I struggled with my health. I struggled with should I say social economic and political problems in Nigeria for instance my network just went down so things like that I had to face so I had to do like I said I had to do like much more than what the others were doing I had to uh, learn new things um, and then I started asking myself a big question does this even matter which I felt like was the problem which was at the point where I had to decipher for myself, I had to take myself two steps back to ask myself like, okay, does this ever matter? You're going through all of this. Where are you headed? Where is this going to take you in terms of your career, in terms of learning new stuff? Like, is this, is this the point where you really want to be? Is this um, who you see yourself becoming? And I found out that there are a few things you can do to help yourself learn anything better and just generally to push yourself to achieving like greater heights in career. I know that maybe not everyone tuned in right now is from a tech background, I'm not sure, but this applies um, all across board. Patience, I had to teach myself to be patient. I had to move at my own pace. I had, as much as, like I said, I was sick, I was struggling both mentally and physically and with learning. So I had to be patient. I had to focus on previous set goals and reiterate to myself what was more important, where I'm, like I said, where I'm heading with my 
future goals, like to teach myself again, typescripting, which was something that I hadn't done in a while. I was still used to just my regular HTML, CSS, JavaScript, but I had to take it a notch higher, learn AngularJS. So focus, um, like I said, focus on the goal and what's, and just basically where the goal is taking you to. You have to be consistent, or should I say, I had to be consistent. I had to get up every day, show up, like I said, not physically, but ensure that whatever work I'm doing is speaking for itself. I, um, you don't have to copy and just go with the flow. If this is where you're sure that you want to be, if this is where you're sure that your career is headed, then um, you have to be consistent. Start with what you have. I say start with what you have because uh, the process of this, I spoke with other females here in Lagos that in the tech space and generally people who just um, also teaching. And I found that in as much as I am struggling, someone like me, I have the resources I need. I'm able to make such choices, but then we have people in the rural areas, people who don't even have these resources and they would like to achieve what I can or what um, just basically their dreams and because of that, I say start with what you have because even if you have just HTML, even if you have just basic knowledge, start with that and work your way up. And that made me start a little group to teach other females in tech to be brave, to be bold, to go after their, should I say like big, ridiculous dreams? Because sometimes you have dreams that you feel like, okay, I'm not just, I can't achieve this, I'm not communicating, but um, you have to start with what you have to start with what you have, and most importantly, you have to bet on yourself. That's something that I had to do because I was scared again. I was scared getting back into web development. I was only used to freelancing, but having to work with a team, and I, like I said, this is a global team. Um, this is a team that has worked on this project from time to time. They had seen it from inception up till this point, and as you're coming in, you're coming in with something. You might feel like you're coming in from nowhere. You feel like you don't really have much um, basic knowledge or background in this, but you have to bet on yourself. There's something you have to contribute. There's something, as you're learning, there's something you can also give out. So that was something I learned about myself. So I would say learning in a pandemic, like to summarize, I would say it wasn't just an opportunity to learn and improve my skills, but I also learned a great deal about myself and improved a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad that we were able to get the connection going and that we could actually get to hear you speak because that was fantastic. Um, someone just said, yes, walk into the fear. Like, it's so important. It sounds like you gained so much from taking that step back and asking yourself those questions to be able to then move forward and then make the right decisions to go forward. So thank you very much. That was really inspiring. I know that everybody's been saying it constantly all day. So thank you. Um, okay. That's all our speakers, and we have three minutes left. I'm kind of going to use the time to say thank you and to just say that this has been absolutely amazing. This is the first time that we've had um, lightning talks in this way. The first time that we've had more than maybe like four speakers. We've had eight tonight, and that's been absolutely amazing to have so many people here speaking, sharing their stories, sharing experiences, and just inspiring loads and loads of women. So thank you. And I know that as it gets watched more and more, you're just gonna inspire more people. So it's absolutely amazing. Um, so for everybody who is hopefully gonna join us next time round, 
we have another session on the 15th where we're going to have more women again speaking on the same topics um health oh god this is where i don't remember what they are health and well-being a tech journey learning in a pandemic and something else that i i can't remember right now but we have four topics so i'm really exciting oh tech deep dive that was it deep dive into tech so we're gonna have four topics again and we're looking forward to it and thank you again for your amazing talks i'm gonna um it's gonna be available on youtube after this it's also going to be a podcast I will update the webpage with more of the links that you've spoken about this evening and just make sure that everybody has access to it. So thank you very much. I will be in contact with all of you to say thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about what we do, head to codingblackfemales.com.